0: Now, let's look at the last lesson, number seven. <clears throat> and our last one will be understanding the enemies of your marriage. I have talked about this in the last couple of weeks. If you know your Bible, you should be aware that the first two attacks in the Bible by the devil were against the two key elements. That facilitate God's plan. In Genesis chapter 3, the first attack in verse 1 and 2 was on the Word of God. In that same chapter, the second attack was on the first family. And you're going to find that whether it's in the old from that point on, whether it's in the Old Testament of the nation of Israel or the New Testament today, this is the attack. The attack is on the Word of God, always has been. And then it's on the family. It always has been. Because nothing threatens the devil more than a common man with a common Bible. And along with that, nothing will threaten the devil like a family that is plugged in and doing what God has designed them to do in marriage as a family. So he will attack your marriage. I think most Christians... Loose sight of the devil. They think that parents don't care about disciplining their kids because it's no big deal. They never, if they really understood that the devil is waiting at every step of every turn to send your kid to hell, you change your perspective. And if a parent would see and understand a mom and a dad that what marriage is and that marriage is going to come under attack just like the word of God has because it's a key ingredient, they wouldn't take their wedding vows and their marriage so haphazardly. I've told you this before and it's kind of a funny thing. Somebody asked me one time I was doing a forum. Uh, on, on divorce and marriage with a couple of other guys, you know, and people were asking questions. And somebody asked me, one time, you know, you always get this. Somebody asked me, said, Pastor, uh, what, what, in your opinion, what do you think is the greatest cause of divorce in Christians in America? And my answer was, came back faster than, in, you know, that he could put it out. And I said, well, that's easy. I said, the greatest cause of divorce in America is marriage. And they all laughed. And it's funny, but it's true. You know what causes divorce in America? People getting married without understanding marriage. What causes it? You show me a couple that gets married and understands it and puts these things in their life, I'll show you a family that will never get divorced. Getting married without understanding biblically what marriage is will end in disaster every time. And again, again, you may live together for 30, 40 years of your life and never get a divorce. And your marriage is just as much as a failure. This is much a failure. I was at one time, and I was preaching one time, and I even forget where it was. And uh, the pastor had, before church service, had been caught up in a, in a marriage. Uh, thing where they, they were getting a divorce and I waited outside his office while he went with it and he'd come out and kind of dis- really discouraged, you know, they, they called it quits, you know, and they're not going to, you know, end the thing. Been married four or five years and pff, gone. Both claim to be saved. So we go up on the platform And when I'm sitting up there and I'm getting ready to preach and he leans over to me and he says, uh, uh, we've got a little twist here tonight. We've got a little presentation we're going to make. We'll get you on here in just a minute. And I said, hey, no big deal. So they had this old older couple in the church, the sweetest couple you could ever want. Been married 65 years. And they were the sweetest little couple you could ever imagine. They bring them up. They give them a plaque and, uh, you know, made a big deal about it, being married 65 years. And for the pastor... He probably needed that. It was probably good therapy for him because he had just finished one after five years that went up. Now here's one that was 65 years that went on. I sat there and I thought to myself. And I later talked to this couple and confirmed it. This 65 married-year-old couple, sweetest people, little gray-haired people, little munchkin guys sitting there. <laughs> They get up and talked about how much they loved each other and how much that they, you know, and somebody said, you know, and they talked about, you know, what got them through 65 years and all those things. And I, and I went on and on and on and on and on and on. And I thought to myself, see, the world looks at that and they think that the couple that was just married five years and got a divorce was a failure. But here's two people that were married for 65 years, never got a divorce, and they're a great success. So we have a plaque. <coughs> we have them up. <coughs> we slap them on the back probably give them a gift card to Victoria's Secrets or something I don't know (laughs) and (laughs) Geritol or something like that (laughs) and and so it's a thing where and I think to myself they're both failures we think that being married and staying married for 65 years here's a couple that were for 65 years they never won a soul to Christ they never did one thing they just stayed home did right, did good, and God never used their marriage nor their family to reach anybody. And we think the one's a failure and the other's success. When God looks at it, he sees both of them as a failure. Because there's a purpose in marriage. And there's goals in marriage. And God didn't give you the concept of marriage so you could find the love of your life and then sit there and grab fat, old, and sassy together and head the retirement home and never reach the world. And the devil knew and knows that the family, he knew that knows that the word of God will go only no farther than the family will go. That's why in Genesis 12, 3, way, way, way back when God called Abraham out, he says, Abraham, all the families of the earth are going to get blessed through you. And then he said in Genesis 18, 18, he said to him again, "And all the nations of the earth are going to get blessed. How do the nations get blessed, Abraham? Through the families. Through the families. You reach nations through the families. Your marriage will be the foundation that your family will be built on based on the Bible. To allow the Lord to build your marriage, you'll have a strong family. To allow the world to build your marriage, and you'll have a weak family. The goal of marriage is to be fruitful, multiply, and replenish the earth in a spiritual way, allowing God to take your marriage as a platform to reach the world through the family. I just talked a while back about the third generation. Same concept. All right, let's look at what you're up against here. I collect... World War II memorabilia, most of you know that and over the years I've got a number of little pamphlets that guys kept when they were in and gave to me you know. and one of them was put out in World War II and given to all the soldiers that was going to Europe I suspect they probably had one for the, um, the Pacific Theater too <clears throat> but it was a little pamphlet about this big and the title of it was Know Your Enemy and then it's pretty interesting it goes through and talks about all the things that a World War II soldier needs to know about the German soldier he's going up against. And I thought, <coughs> wow, it's pretty informative for a young guy to... I remember in my day, Vietnam War, we all got a little thing and said, like, just like it, know your enemy. And it was about the Vietnamese people, you know. And there's, there's, there's enemies that will attack your marriage. And the devil knows that the way to crack a marriage is to put more weight on it than he can stand. Most marriages, when they don't start out right, they don't have a good firm foundation. They can't support a lot of weight, excess baggage, without crushing the marriage. So he'll put things in their world that will add more weight than the marriage can sustain. Therefore, in time, crack the marriage and it'll fall. And the first one will be financial struggles, almost without exception, spending and credit card debt. It'll be at the top of the list of why marriages fail. They can't handle all the load. Most times, there's no physical responsibility in the people. There's no goals. There's nothing that fits. They get, I mean, I told you before, my mom and dad waited, I don't know how many years before they bought their first house. Now kids get married and get a new house. And there's nothing wrong with that. There certainly is. Praise the Lord. I'm glad you can. I mean, my dad didn't get a new car till I was 17 years old. Now we're in high school. We don't get a new car. We think that the world's coming to an end. I get it. I get it. I understand. That's the world we live in. But that not always does not teach financial responsibility. And... uh <clears throat> we pile on debt, we buy things, we'll spend, the credit cards are so easy, you want to go on a big honeymoon, so you put it on a credit card, you come back and you want to have nice furniture, you put it on a credit card, you, everybody else gets a big screen TV, you put it on a credit card, you know like the next thing you know, your credit card is up at 18, 20% interest. Bang. That's all it takes. On discipline, in spending. I think one of the great access to the christian life is dave ramsey i think his his material on on getting out of debt is just phenomenal i mean he's a clear case where he doesn't believe anything about the bible but he really has that down and you want to you can learn from that it's good stuff man good stuff here's the second thing (coughs) lack of communication Women will have levels of maintenance. Some will have a low maintenance level. Some will have a medium maintenance level. Some will have a high maintenance level. And they're all like shoes. They all come in half sizes. Low and a half, medium and a half, high and a half. Scale 1 to 10. Add 20 to it in some cases. And your ability to as a husband, has to be to recognize what level uh, that she's on. And then you communicate and you minister understanding that level. Most husbands are oblivious to this. And you know, I'm not saying that men don't have uh, maintenance levels. They, They do. But not like the woman. A man should be able to, in most cases, maintenance his own level. Because he's to be the leader. And he knows that he has to be strong for the weaker vessel that isn't. And many times, you know, um, the reverses get, the roles get reversed sometimes. And then you have some problems. A, life, a wife looks for her husband for the spiritual maturity level somebody that when things are falling apart, they look to. That's the way God made them. And, and the husband needs to know that my wife, you know, she's got different maintenance levels. She's, she's very low. She handles things. You know, the house is burning down. She's there saying, where's that list I put, the things that I want to get out of here if the house is burning down? Somebody else is going crazy, you know. <laughs> Kid gets hit. Playing baseball, you know, and his nose is all bleeding. and Everything. Some mothers are dialing 911, calling Homeland Security. They're trying to get hold of their congressman. Another woman will come over and say, "Ah, it's not that bad. Come here. Let me let me wipe it off, and you know, it'll be okay. You know what? It's an improvement. Your nose is now crooked. It was straight. You know, it looks now. You look like your Uncle Fred. It looks good. You know." Where did I put my pins? Oh, they're back there. Uh, yeah, bring me one up here. <clears throat> oh, you—I never mind. Like this? Would that work on here? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just. Oh, what is that? A <laughs> <laughs> razor. Oh. oh wow! I've never seen these before. These are neat. <clears throat> Here's a woman. No, no. This is going to take me a while. Let's, let's make them bigger. Here's a big woman. Let's make them bigger. I'm going to be here all day doing this. Each one of these is a little compartment door. And each one of these has a lock on it and a key to it. (laughs) This represents a woman. A woman's emotions her feelings are compartmentalized just like that. Each one of these little doors with a lock on it will represent something about her emotional level. And it's locked. Now, your job in maintenancing her, first of all, is to find out basically what level she's on. Whenever she has issues, you need to realize that you have the key to be the facilitator of communication to unlock this particular time this one, this one this one, this one and this one you have the key (coughs) and you unlock it get her to deal with it you unlock it, get her to talk about it unlock it, get her to express her feelings unlock it, head for cover unlock it (laughs) get out what's going on You're the one. That's the way she is. At whatever level she's on, it will be nothing more than a series of little boxes that you need to know how to open in any given scenario. And most husbands just say, oh, I can't deal with it. I don't know what to do. Well, you know what? What do you want me to do? She doesn't know what she wants you to do. If she did, she would tell you. You need to know she's this little compartment of boxes. (laughs) And at this point in her life, it'll be another set of boxes. Other times, it'll be a completely other set of boxes. But you need to be the one who understands that through communication, you are the facilitator that has the key for every one of those. And your job is to open them up. That's what I do in ministry. Every one of you is a little box with a key. Every one of you. When you come in with a problem, your problem will be different from this person. I don't, you, what do you think? You say, okay, you got a problem with this. Ah, mm-hmm. uh, here it is, the standard answer for what your problem is. Oh, your problem is this. Oh, here's the standard answer for that. You don't give standard answers. Each person is an individual box, and I got the key to open it up and get you to tell me what your problem is. I know how to ask the right questions. I know how to play my angle on it. I know when you need me to be kind and understanding. I know when you need a kick in the seat of the pants. Because I have the key. And in a wife-husband relationship, she is that Complicated right there. Some more, some less. Some in the middle. But that's what she is. Your ability, your ability to be able to deal with her <clears throat> on that level is your ability to be able to open up those, those, those doors <laughs> one at a time. And when you do, you use the right key to unlock whatever door. Sometimes it'll be Physical. Sometimes it'll be spiritual. Sometimes it'll be emotional. Your job is to be able to understand her like I understand you. I know you. I don't live with you guys. I don't, I don't, we don't, we we have an intimacy in ministry together. We spend time together. We're in the word of God together. It opens me up to you and you up to me. And when I sit down with you, When you come in to see me, if I know what your problem is, before you come in and tell me, Bob, I've got to talk about this, I already know where I'm going because I know you. And when Joe Blow comes in after Susie Q over here, and she has the same problem, I don't deal with them the same way because they're not the same person. Each has your distinctive lockbox. And a woman will have just that. And lack of communication is your inability to unlock those little doors. Nobody should know the wife better than the husband. And the only reason he doesn't is because he refuses not to. I can't imagine people, guys who know more about cars than they do their family. Some guys can know more about how to, how to fish, know where the fish are, than they do their own wife or their own kids. Some people can talk about guns all day long or sports all day long. They know who did this back in the 60s and the 70s, who hit the most home runs. They know all this, all the stats, and they can't even figure out. And I want to tell you something. Those things are a lot harder to get down than that, but you just don't apply yourself to that, see? The ability to use the right key to unlock whatever door needs to be opened, The husband's job, the pastor's job is to facilitate communication. Her job is to respond to it. And that's what it is. Guys, your job is to unlock the doors, and ladies, your job is to thank him and be responsive to him when he does. And that facilitates the husband being where he needs to be spiritually and the woman where she needs to be spiritually because sometimes you don't want to unlock the doors. And let's face it, ladies, sometimes you don't want to respond to it when he does. <coughs> Third thing. Yes. Well, Here, Pam. I've dealt with this before, obviously, we all have. But as women, I would say, isn't part of our job to try to, you know, like, we all know you get to that time of the month and you could be a completely different person. You know, I like to try
1: to tell my husband, well, I'm having a bad day today. I just want you
0: to know in advance. So. Sure. Nothing wrong with that. Get up in the morning and say, hey, honey, I'm going to be a real today. Just leave me alone. And the other thing is, is get a hotel room for two or three days to get your head back in shape and then come on back home. Absolutely. That's good communication. And a husband ought to respect that. See? That's a lot better than him going to work and saying, what is wrong with her today? You know, that's open and honesty. Look, I've had a bad day. One of the kids fell down in the laundry shaft. I can't find him. <laughs> Just don't mess with me right now. And you know, another thing, uh, as, uh, as ladies get older, they go they get through menopause. And menopause changes the dynamics of everything in many cases. And husbands don't get that. They get so used to everything going one way, they don't understand that things change. And you got to realize, and it's the same way, with, same way with guys. A guy who gets older, you know, things change. He can't remember what he had for breakfast. He can't remember where he put this. He can't remember, you know, it, things change. All right, the third thing, <clears throat> family issues. And boy, you need to know this. A lot of kids, and I, you know, this is none of my business. I'm just telling you on a general rule. Everybody has to do their own thing. But having children before you're ready to have children is not a good thing. And I'll just add to that, having too many children. I mean, I've known couples that had 10, 12 kids. I mean, they didn't know anything else about the Bible, but they got down, be fruitful, multiply, and replenish the earth. And I've heard this all my life, you know. Well, and this is their excuse. Well, you know, in the Bible, God opens wombs and God closes wombs. Well, yours is stuck open. I don't know what to tell you, man. (laughs) First of all, (laughs) that's not true. In the Old Testament, yes. Not today. It works like this. Under grace... You make choices. You have the grace to do it. And if you have sexual relations and don't do something to prevent a pregnancy, you're going to get pregnant. And what happens is, and I've seen it too many times, you just keep having kids. You can't support them. So you know what happens? Somebody else winds up supporting them and you go through life saying, praise the Lord, I'll tell you what, Oh, all these kids, look at them. we got 28 kids. I'm the happiest person in the world. Who wouldn't be happy? Your in-laws are paying for them. Every Christmas, somebody has to dump presents on you. You have to give you a car. You have no money whatsoever. And you have kids that are growing up. And I'm not, what do you do? Take them back? Certainly not. (laughs) What, do you not love them? Absolutely you love them. You do the best you can. The problem is not the kids. The problem is you're Stupid. You have more children than you can handle. <clears throat> and I've seen them walk around and just say, oh boy, you know, look at the kids we have. They don't have enough clothes. They don't have enough food. They don't have you know, dad working a job. The mom can't work the job. She's got a full time job. And it just gets and so what happens? Everybody else now has to bear the load of raising your family. And a lot of times, they have kids before they're ready to have them emotionally. Marriage is an emotional change in your life. I don't care how you prepare yourself for it, but the second emotional change comes in is when you have children. Things will change in your marriage in a radical way that you need to be ready for. Too many changes too quickly, not a good thing. That's my own personal opinion. i have to say that. I've seen exceptions to the rule where some people have gotten, gotten married and they have a child within a year. And it's fine. It's fine. So there's always exceptions to it. I'm talking about in a general sense. And usually the ones who, who do that are the ones that are really biblically based strong. So therefore they've they're got a good foundation. The ones that have the problems are the ones that have no foundation. I mean, they're just, you know, and later on what happens is, you know, when the kids who begin to get out of control at 8, 9, and 10, at 15, 16, and 17, it'll put so much pressure on the marriage, financially, all the things you've got to deal with, marriage can't handle it. Marriage can't handle it. I'll tell you something else, in-laws and other family members, Amen. I mean... Mothers-in-laws and fathers-in-laws, aunts and uncles, brothers and sisters. And there's a balance here. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 31 says, For this cause, the cause of marriage, shall a man leave his father and mother and be joined unto his wife. Did you hear that? Leave his father and mother. (laughs) That doesn't mean you don't respect them. That doesn't mean you don't love them. It doesn't mean that they don't give you advice. It simply means that you now run your marriage and a mother-in-law who keeps sticking her nose in, and every time you have a fight, the wife runs back to mama, or in some cases, the dad runs back to mama. It's just never healthy. Because when you have some place to run, other than the Bible, you never get it fixed. And you get influences from outside family members. Everybody in your family will think they understand how to raise your kids better than you do. Truth of the matter is, nobody understands how to raise your kids better than the Word of God. Amen. And when your mom and your, 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 your aunt or your uncle or your brother or your sister or your mother-in-law and your father-in-law line up with the Bible, God bless them. When they don't, drop, kick them through the goalpost of life and raise your family. Because it's your responsibility, not theirs. Your marriage should stand on its merit and value of your own relationship with Christ. Honor your family, honor your in-laws, honor your brothers and sisters, but run your own house. And you got to be cordial about it. I'm not saying you get nasty about it. you got to be smarter than the problem. But at the end of the day, it's your family. Now the fourth thing. And people need to know this. And this is one of the most neglected issues that hurt a marriage. And that is other marriages that have went failure. You get remarried, and you both have children. And uh, Paul said in First Corinthians chapter seven when he covered remarriage for a Christian, he says, "As long as you meet the original goals, you can get remarried." But he says, "I want to tell you," First Corinthians chapter seven, verse twenty-eight. When you marry somebody who's already been married, and they maybe bring kids in it, and you have kids in it, he simply says this. It's probably the greatest single verse in the Bible for marriage when you get into this situation that is so neglected. He says, such will have trouble in the flesh. Boy, that is an understatement. One wife is enough. An ex-wife on top of it, or an ex-husband, multiple in some cases. Now, I got to say, sometimes exes get along great. They understand this. They work it out for the kids. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes it's bad. Sometimes it's very bad. Former anger, bitterness. Then you got child support. She wants more. You give her money, you feel she ain't using it the way she should, nothing you can do about it, and she wants more. You go to her and say, I'm giving you money for this, this, and this. You're spending on this, this, and this. And then a fight rops out. Custody battle. Who gets him when? Who gets her when? Sometimes one's saved and the other one's not. I'll be honest with you, if I might, the easiest scenario that I've ever seen for two people getting a divorce to get along is two unsaved people. For some reason, Christians just can't pull it together. Sometimes they can. And sometimes you have one who wants to do what's right, the other one doesn't. Sometimes you have neither one of them want to do what's right. Very rarely do both of them. But boy, what a blessing that is. And then you have this problem that comes in. The idea that I'm married now to a wife. I have two kids. She has two kids. You're in the same house together. And then you take the position, these are my two kids, those are her two kids. Disaster. Absolute disaster. you got to remember, when you marry somebody who's been married before, it's okay. The Bible says it's okay. There's nothing wrong with it. You're not sinning against God. But you need to understand that that is not the natural situation that God intended. And even though it's perfectly okay and legit and God will bless it, you need to understand it's going to take a lot more work because of the situation. You have put yourself into a situation that will be a challenge any way you look at it. Not knowing that, hey, and I've had them... I've had him in counseling where he says, you know, her kids, my kids. It doesn't work that way. When you marry somebody with other kids, here's the issue you have got to figure out. You have got to figure out how that they are not your kids biologically, but now they are your kids spiritually. And though you may not be able to be the biological father, you have to find a way to be the spiritual father. And that's a challenge, especially when you don't understand anything about marriage. That will be the biggest fight you ever get into in your life. Well, your kid don't your kid disrespect me. Well, your kid disrespect me. That's not the kid's fault. That's the parents' fault. That's the parents not understanding that it's okay to marry somebody with other children from another previous marriage. 100% all right. Paul said, such will have problems in the flesh. It's going to take more work. And those people never think about it. All they see is her, all she sees is him. And <laughs> <laughs> all the and farther it goes. They never see the kids. They never see her kids, his kids. They put them together. When they fight, he automatically sticks up for his. She sticks up for hers. The kids look at each other and say, this is our situation. They manipulate both of you. And the kids wind up being in charge. And not only that, but they go on in life and they'll marry somebody and get into the same situation that you just trained them to get into. And you'll sit there and say, I wonder why that was. Because you didn't understand marriage. Hey, ain't no different than me. There ain't no one of you in here that is directly my biological child. And yet, I have found a way to be a spiritual father to every one of you. Oh, back there! I'm sorry. uh, You've you've removed yourself from the from the crowd here. I didn't see. I didn't see you here. I'm sorry. Are you here today? Thank you. I know Jamie was, and I thought you were gone somewhere too. But anyway, I have found a way to be your spiritual father. Why, some of you are so stupid! You call me Dad. You call me Pops. What are you, you, you blind? Will calls me dad. Are you blind? He's black, I'm white. Zach does it. Josh does it. There's people here that look to me as their father. And I had absolutely nothing to do with bringing you into the world. But I found a way to be your spiritual father. You've got to do that in a marriage. They may not be your biological kid but you have to find a way to be their spiritual father and I want to be honest with you you'll, be, you'll bear this out Zach so will Will and so will Josh and anybody else that feels that way I have probably more influence in your life than your biological father that's a bad thing to say but it's probably true you know why because I found a way I found a way and you need to find a way That's all there is to it. You need to find a way to do that. But you know how you do that? By being the spiritual leader in your family. By not making it your kids and my kids. By recognizing that our marriage, okay, we screwed up. But God gave us a second chance. And now we know what marriage is. And I'm not going to make the same mistake twice and I'm going to do what's right. So I've got two kids that aren't mine. You know what? As far as I'm concerned, they are mine. And I'm going to love them like they're mine. I'm going to be Christ in their life like they were mine. I'm going to teach them the Bible like they were mine. I'm going to take them out ministering with me like they were mine. And I at the end of the day, I'm going to have more influence in their life than an unshaved unspiritual biological father or <coughs> whatever. That's how you do it. And it's just, it's, it's, it, it becomes a terrible thing. Then the fifth thing, this is the last thing. The last thing will be, the enemy will be the breakdown of families ministering together. Husband and wife lead the team of their family to ministry. I gave you a couple of weeks ago, Proverbs chapter 13, verse 19, which says the desire accomplished is sweet to the soul. Keeping the marriage a sweet, enduring, working relationship will simply go back to your desire and your ability to understand why God gave you the concept of marriage in the first place. Just as your personal relationship with God will be determined and the desire fulfilled that leads to a sweet relationship with him. So marriage together, husband and wife, just like Christ in the church, will have the sweet desire when the two have the same desire to be the ministry of their family to the world. It all goes back to goals. It all goes back to purpose. It all goes back to attitude of heart. These are the seven pillars that, from the Bible standpoint, every Christian marriage should be built on. I've seen marriages break up and get a divorce, be dead in the water. I've seen marriages stay together for 40 years, and they're just as dead as a corpse. In either case, it will be a failure, of the husband and wife to see and understand what it really means to be biblically purposed in your marriage for the ministry to God to reach the world. So just getting married, great thing. I'm glad you want to get married. But you need to understand, to whom much is given, much is required. And marriage is not something that man came up with. It's something that God ordained for a purpose for a re- and then gave you the model of Christ in the church. The model of Christ in the church and the purpose for the church is the same model for you and your relationship with Christ and your marriage to reach the world through your family. And you want a successful family, then build one that reaches the world. You want a dismal family, then build one that doesn't. It doesn't matter whether you get a divorce or you stay married all your life. If you miss the goal and the purpose, you missed it all.